Welcome to Basecamp, where men join together to seek deeper understanding of authentic manhood and apply principles from God's Word to our daily lives. If you're looking for the next level in men's ministry, join us and experience a life of Christian fellowship with men sold out for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May God be praised. Good morning, gents. Man, it is so good to be up here, to be able to to take the Word of God and and just kind of chew into it over the week and be able to deliver just what God's put on my heart. And, uh, you know, I wish that Dallas could be here because he developed 39 very intricate slides, tightly packed with material that he was surely going to get done in 15 minutes. Um, But thank you, Dallas. We're going to post those to the website because they're amazing. I wanted to take a little bit different approach. You know, here on Tuesday mornings, this whole year, I have seen some of the best preaching, the best heartfelt teaching that I've ever seen in any church um, in my entire life as a Christian, you know, some 42 years. Uh, the guys are pouring into these texts. And we, we decided to go to Acts, which is a very difficult book to teach these sections in 20 minutes because they're narrative. You can't just take out a point and then run with it. You have to digest that material. So when you see guys up here doing a narrative text that's a chapter or more, you got to know that they've put hours and hours and hours into melting that, distilling that, and getting it into a bite-sized chunk. Narratives are hard to teach. And, you know, there's different ways to teach them. So today I'm going to teach you in a different way that I've never taught before here at BCC, and I'm going to teach the narrative Acts chapter 8. So did you read yesterday in the news that the Kremlin sent 400 Russian-paid mercenaries into Ukraine to assassinate Zelensky and his government? They, they came up, they're assassins, they came up from Africa. But the interesting thing is that the U.S. said, we will extract you, and he said, don't send um, a ride, send bullets, send ammunition, because I'm staying. And why does he stay? Because he loves his country, because he believes in his position, and because he has given his dedication to being the president of the people, and now his approval rating went from 30% during COVID to 91% yesterday. Everyone believes that he loves his country, that he loves the country's people, and that he is going to stay and fight and possibly die. We're going to see kind of the same thing in in this chapter in Acts 8. What we're going to see is that there's a simple gospel that brings extravagant joy. We're going to see that there is the Spirit indwelling, but there's always Satan impeding. And then what we're going to see is that seekers will cross your path. You have to keep your eyes open. So remember last week with the stoning of Stephen, we had Saul of Tarsus, not just um, there, he was approving of killing Stephen for blasphemy. So they took him outside the city gates and they threw big stones on his head until he was dead, dead, dead. But this one... This one uh, 
event, you know, is very similar to Putin the Terrible, Ivan the Terrible, Russian czars. Now we have Saul the Terrible, and he is ravaging all the Christians, going house to house, taking them in prison, executing some, stoning others. The people were scared. The new church centered in Jerusalem had to be scared because he was going door to door. They had to leave, go to prison, or die. Your choice. So the apostles, just like Zelensky, said, no way, I'm staying. So they stayed in the central church. But at some point, there had to be a scattering of these Christians. So at this point in Christian history, it began the fastest expansion of any movement in the history of the world. And it started in, in Acts 1.8. Remember, Jesus said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and the outermost parts of the world. So here comes the expansion. You know, the apostles stayed because it was hard. This was their moonshot now. Remember, we choose to go to the moon and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because the challenge is one we are willing to accept and one we are unwilling to postpone and one we intend to win. This was their moonshot. This was something that was not easy but it was hard. However, point one, the simple gospel brings extravagant joy. It's simple people, simple preacher, simple gospel. Doesn't get any simpler than this. No need for big words. The gospel is easy. Young Christians left central Jerusalem and spread out, and they had a song to sing to everybody they saw. They told the gospel. They preached the gospel. They... They were convinced that Jesus rose from the dead in order to save them from their sins, and they couldn't stop talking about it. They had extravagant joy as they left. They didn't have a whole lot of knowledge. What they had was the simple gospel that Jesus rose, Jesus making atonement for sins. That was their gospel. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit gospel, the baptizing as a celebration gospel. No deep fancy words, no credential degrees, no pastoral office. The simple truth of the atonement that we need to be made at one with God and there must be a reparation. There must be a reconciliation with God that can only come through Jesus Christ. The atonement was on their lips. It was a once-for-all act that accomplished for us the forgiveness of our sins, the reconciliation with God, and what better thing to tell people that they can be at one with God. Have you thought about your atonement? Have you thought about talking to people about atonement? It's a very big word with a very simple concept. So Philip was one of these six men that were cho chosen to help the apostles feed the widows. And as, Mike, as uh, Scott said last week, maybe they didn't really want to do that. They maybe wanted to preach, but they were told to take care of the widows. But now Philip was sent out and he headed to Samaria. Samaria was a place 
that was outside of the Jewish realm of appreciation. Except for Jesus. Remember the Good Samaritan? There's no such thing as a Good Samaritan. Why would you tell a story about a Samaritan? There was no one good in Samaria. And, and then Jesus you know, was at this well, and he found this woman from Samaria, and he, he spoke to her. That doesn't make any sense. No good Jew likes the Samaritans because they were half-breeds. They were mongrels. They mixed Judaism with paganism. They built a rival temple on Mount Gerizim, and they were the anti-Jewish religion that mixed the paganism, the heathenism, with the true God. However, Philip went to Samaria with the simple gospel. And these are the only words that we know that he preached. He preached the Christ. He preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. You see, the gospel is simple. It's simple for simple people. Remember that word, atonement. We need an atonement. Man is in sin. He needs to be healed. He needs to be forgiven if he's going to stand before a holy God. Every man needs an atonement. But as he engaged these Samaritans, as you see in the text, they paid attention. Important word, important phrase. They paid attention to him. They were captivated by his message because they were hungry for a simple gospel. And, and Philip showed them through Christ. He confirmed it with signs. What he did was he exercised demons. And it says he healed the, the, the paralyzed and the lame. And then just like Kennedy, and the other things. He said, and the other things. I don't know what the other things were, but I don't know what the other things were in the 60s either. But the other things in this chapter, we don't know, wasn't important, so Luke didn't tell us. So these were not some parlor tricks, something to trick someone into the gospel. What they were there for is to show that the gospel is stronger than any magic the world has to offer. But people, they try to rely on signs. Give me a sign, Lord. Show me the way. Give me a sign. I, I need something. If we were ever rely on signs to show that we're good Christians, we miss the point. All signs point to Christ. He increases, we decrease. If you ever rely on signs to show that you're a good Christian, you miss the point. The sign is to point to Christ, not to you. Simple gospel gives extravagant joy. Because when they paid attention to Philip and they saw his signs, the scripture says they had joy. It, it, it put a song in their heart. I mean, do you have joy? It's six in the morning. Were you happy to get up this morning? It's good to be alive. Someday it'll be good to be dead, because I know I'll be with my Lord and Savior. But right now I need to live with joy, because we see in all these texts, they had joy, because they believed the power of the resurrection. They believed in the power of the atonement. So movement two I see in this text is, the Spirit indwells and Satan impedes. The Spirit indwells, and Satan impedes. You see, paid attention. Remember I said that's important? We're going to see it two more times as Philip finds this guy in the village named Simon Magus, Simon the Magician. And twice 
we see in the text that the people of Samaria paid attention to this guy because he was doing some sort of satanic occultic things or he was a Harry Houdini and he had sleight of hand but whatever it was they followed him they paid attention double tapped on that one because it amazed them that's an exclamation point in the text say it twice and then say amazed these guys were captivated by Simon's magic and so he used it for his gain um, and so what they said to him was they said to Philip this man is the power of God and called great with a capital G this man is great he is a representative of God and Simon himself you know said yeah I am somebody great that's in the text I'm somebody great well you know what if you say that listen to this a phony Christian will only seek glory for himself a true prophet of God a true, true preacher of God a true carrier of the gospel will only seek glory for God will only seek glory for his son Jesus Christ so a false phony Christian will seek glory for himself not about us it's about him you know there's this cult of personality you know Hitler had it I think Zelensky has it right now um, Simon had it people just followed him I don't know why I mean they they maybe what did he do but he had some sort of electric personality that people paid attention to him and he swayed the whole villages many people have the thought that they need to have a cult of personality people just have to like me right no no that's not the focus the gospel is the focus and I tell you what friends the gospel will take care of itself it's a lion do you take a lion and put it in a cage and then expect it to survive no you let the lion out of the cage the lion will take care of itself the lion can go and devour whatever it wants it's the king of the jungle we need to let the gospel out of the cage and not think it's anything about us you share the gospel the lion will take care of itself the gospel came to Simon and the text says even Simon was saved and baptized he believed and was baptized at least Philip thought so you know he wouldn't have baptized him if he didn't believe he was a, a true believer I mean that would have been terrible so let's talk about baptism for a second just as a side note baptism is a symbolic showing to the outside world what is in the inside faith okay it's a sign that I am a Christian it is immersed in water being baptized into death symbolizing the death of Christ under the water you stay under the water you're dead and then raised by the arm of someone else that is Christianity we cannot be raised to new life without someone else's arm without someone else's arms on the cross we, we don't have that and so baptism is a symbol that if you haven't been baptized that's not the main thrust of this text but you see people are saved and baptized saved and baptized if you you know there's there's one thing in the Bible you can only do once um, which the Bible says is marriage and then the other thing it, you know you can do baptism 
Um, both symbolize our salvation, but it never says you can only be baptized once in the Bible. So if you were baptized as a child, if you were baptized as a baby especially, you need believer's baptism, where you can say, I'm proclaiming to the world salvation through Jesus Christ. So reports got back to the apostles. And uh, these apostles, they were in Jerusalem, and no one planned on the gospel being spread so quickly. And so they had to, remember, Reagan, trust but verify. And so Philip was there teaching the gospel, and I just, just found this in my motorcycle this morning that uh, someone gave me. And it, it's, it's the same thing. The apostles had to be dispatched to Samaria because Philip was there, and my hat says, in my defense, I was left unsupervised. They had to go because they're like, what is Philip teaching them? Um, but sure enough, they got there, and there were true converts to Christianity. These, these people were so happy. The joy was there when they received the gospel. However, there was something missing, and it was the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit hadn't fallen on them yet, the Bible says. Why? I don't know. This is abnormal. Other, other texts say you get saved, the Holy Spirit falls on you, you get baptized immediately. Holy Spirit indwells a Christian. However, this time was an abnormal event. And the problem with some people translating this text, they didn't receive the Holy Spirit, therefore there's a second baptism of the Holy Spirit, is a false doctrine in my mind because this is an abnormal event. And if you take one portion of Scripture and make a doctrine around it and throw out all the other parts of Scripture, then it's a false doctrine. So I believe that the Holy Spirit indwells every believer at the time of salvation, and this was an abnormal event. The apostles came, they laid hands um, on the people, and they received the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit look like when you receive it? Is it identifiable? Is it something you can see? For some reason, it, it was seen on these people. I don't know if they spoke in tongues. I don't know if they... Um, levitated or raised people from the dead. I don't know, and it doesn't matter because Luke didn't tell us. It was just identifiable. So what does it look like in your life? It's not logical. It's not something that can be obtained with human will. The Holy Spirit inclines people to subdue sin, to work at being the leader in the home as a man, uh, to overcome the fear of the future have a willingness to risk everything so that one may know the gospel. That's what the Holy Spirit does to a believer. He purifies us. He sanctifies us. He guides us. He leads us. All signs of the Holy Spirit are evidence of God's power for other people to know the truth of God. The Holy Spirit works in us so that other people see salvation. If the Holy Spirit isn't working in your life, you're not changing, you're not dis disturbed by sin, woe unto you. Woe unto you. You better get it right. You better have the Holy Spirit working in your life. So this was kind of like Pentecost, something noticeable, don't really know what it was. But as we go through this, we see that um, old habits do die hard. And Simon, he was an immature believer. He had been baptized by Philip, but I don't know if he was saved or not because he went to the apostles and he said, give me this power so that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. False believers use the power of the Spirit for their own gain. 
He offered money because he thought it might be one of his parlor tricks. He always bought magic tricks, and why not ask them for it? Um, this is where we get the term simony, where you buy or sell church office or influence. So poor Simon, he's simple Simon, was always remembered for simony, which we saw um, throughout the Middle Ages. Uh, in the historical records of Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Jerome, they all say that Simon became a heretic that he was the founder of Gnosticism, which was an insipid evil that raged through the early church. So how long does it take old habits to die if we give Simon a little bit of a break? Maybe a lifetime. We may struggle with stuff for a lifetime. Um, it'll be sad on Judgment Day, because some of the things we struggle with the most and we want to give up the most, so we say, those are the things we love the most, and it's hard to give them up. Well. We're going to be sad on Judgment Day. All of us will be for the lost time, for all that we could have done for Christ, and we lost the opportunity to share the gospel. There will be tears on Judgment Day. However, the beauty is that it says Jesus will wipe away every tear. He'll be there for us. He understands. He sympathizes with us. So, Old habits die hard in Simon Magus, but they also die hard in Simon Peter. You know, he was the rock of the church, but just like Simon Magus, he was impetuous. He only said something before he thought about it. Remember Jesus not so long ago said, get behind me, Satan? Remember when Jesus said, you're going to betray me three times, and three times he said, I don't know that man. He was impetuous. Remember not long ago, he left his calling as an apostle and went fishing. He was going back to his old way of life. He didn't believe in stuff. And not so long ago, he didn't even believe in the resurrection necessarily until he saw Jesus on the beach cooking some fish. Oh, Simon was impetuous. Um, but now, Peter was an apostle with authority. He had the authority to, to call things the way they were. And I'm going to transliterate what he told Simon, when Simon says, give me your power, he said, to hell with your money, to hell with your motives, send that thought to hell. You have no part in this. To hell with your works-based salvation. To hell with anyone who thinks they can buy God or use God as a pawn. Simon's soul was filled with bitterness and jealousy for what the apostles had, and Simon looked into Simon Peter looked into his heart and said, you need to get that right. Confess it. Maybe God will forgive you. To hell with your thoughts. Um, so we saw the spirit moves and Satan impedes. Last movement in this text, we see um, that seekers will cross your path. You know, God uses a tender heart. God uses men with a tender heart. Um, telling people about Jesus is sometimes not the great challenge as it was in Samaria. Uh, sometimes God sets the table for you, and he puts someone in front of you, and that's what he did for Philip. He said, go and just walk. So he did. So he did. And history shows us that so he did. And I want history to say about me, and I want it to say about you, so he did. So he did. Simple. He, he lived the gospel. But as Philip was walking, this entourage of Ethiopians came riding by, and their secretary of the treasury was there. He was a seeker. 
He went to Jerusalem specifically to study Judaism, whether he was a convert or he had some Jew- Jewish blood in him, I don't know. But he went to, to Jerusalem and he, he drove 500 miles, went to great expense to hear the gospel or to hear about God himself. Um, he was curious. So what are the chances of this happening? Let me lay it out for you. The angel of the Lord tells Philip to go, so he did. The Ethiopian was called to Jerusalem, so he did. The eunuch was called to purchase the scroll of Isaiah at great expense, so he did. At just the right moment in time, at just the right point in the road, Philip was beside the chariot. At just the right time, the eunuch was reading out loud in Hebrew, Isaiah 53, about the suffering servant. Philip said, do you understand that? Let me tell you. So he felt the pang in his heart to talk about Jesus, and so he did. Um, You know, magic preceded the Samaritans' conversion. They needed magic to overcome, or they needed the signs from God to overcome the magic. In this instance, there's no magic. The guy gets saved, he immediately gets baptized, and here's the, the, the... the uh, miraculous sign that God gave him to confirm his faith. He comes up from the water, being raised by Philip's arms to newness of life, and he turns to thank Philip, and Philip's gone. Somehow he was teleported to another location so that he could get the gospel out. Um, And the church grew and expanded, and, you know, that's history. The entire world knows of Jesus Christ because of this movement. So I want to um, just end here uh, with telling you some common things that happen. People were saved and baptized. Joy filled their hearts. Philip had a simple message that people needed to know Christ. They needed to know the atonement of how they can have Christ. And we need to ask ourselves, how will the nations use us? How will the nations know who will God use? You know, God prepares the hearts of people to accept the gospel, just like he did in Samaria, just like he did with the eunuch. God prepares their hearts, and you may say that violates man's free will, but would you rather have your free will violated a little bit than to go to hell forever? You know, I'm glad God prepared my heart to receive the gospel, and God does that for other people. He did it for you. He'll do it for others. So what did Jesus command? Preach the gospel to all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. How does it manifest? In us, our joy will be seen. People will know it. People can't, won't have to guess why we have a joy in our heart. When do we know that we're saved? Well, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in our lives. We'll be changed, and we'll want to help other people change for God's glory. So we go back to the Ukraine. Uh, from Pastor uh, Valentine Kornovich. Um, there was some correspondence from him a few days ago. This came in last night, and my brother Ken sent this to me. He said this prayer. He said, I ask, that, I ask you to pray that Ukraine, by the grace of God and your prayers, will withstand the onslaught of the Russian enemy. I believe that with God we will come out of this battle with honor. I wish we have a soul and a peace from God. Last night is what he wrote. Again, many people left Kiev. 
Marina and I stay in Kiev with my church. I'm struggling a little with fear, you think? Uh, today we have the church to pray with God. I wish that we have soul, a peace from God. You know, he's staying put because he's trusting God. And Lord, I know the Lord will allow him to share his faith and his story. He might be killed. I don't know, but he's like the apostles choosing to stay in Jerusalem and preach the word. So uh, as uh, Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So let's go out there and, and share the simple gospel. Um, I have some discussion questions and just talk about them at the table. And I just appreciate your attention this morning. Let me close and pray for Valentine and his wife. Father in heaven, Lord, I just pray for uh, this brave pastor, soldier, um, who is staying in Ukraine just like his, his president because they love their country. And, but Valentine and his wife uh, Marina are staying because they love you and because they know the saving, atoning power of Jesus Christ. Lord, let them in those subway stations, in those bomb shelters. Um, Lord, may you give him the opportunity to share the simple gospel with simple people just trying to save their country. Lord, bless him. Bless all of us as we discuss these questions. In Jesus' name, amen.